sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. All right, everybody, welcome back in our number two of the early line right here on Sports Grid, where we put fun and functional sports content. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh and Kev, we have to turn our attention to baseball, right? We've talked about the stories in college football. We've talked about kind of the end of the uh, NBA restart. We're going to have our guy Cam in later on this hour to talk golf and, of course, to maybe talk about not one, not two, not three, not four but five overtimes in a game one of an NHL series. We'll talk about the lasting impacts of those, but I want to go to baseball and Kev, when we go to baseball, we have to start with these divisions that are looking competitive. So you know where I want to go. I want to go to a division that has two teams with 11 games that they've won already. One team with a team uh, that's won 12 games already. And that team is the Colorado Rockies, Kev. Kevin, you know, before the season, how we were like, well, someone pitched to a sub one ERA. Oh, my goodness. What kind of records will we see? Kev, we are now at the point of the season. The Colorado Rockies have played 17 games. Okay, that is more than a quarter of their season. That is almost a third of their season. Yesterday, Charlie Blackman got another three hits. Yesterday, Kev, Charlie Blackman raised his batting average to 500 on the season. Kev, now I know it's the Rockies in Coors Field. Charlie Blackman is a player who it feels like the entire industry and sport has been waiting for him to fall off, has been waiting for it to look like his stats that he puts up at cores are not real or not sustainable or not feasible. He's at 500 with about a third of the season gone. Kev, we talked about someone being able to hit 400 before. A, are, are we at the point of the season where is it legit for us to start to talk about this? And I did the math, Kev. He needs to hit 365 the rest of the way in order to hit 400 for the season. I think that's possible. What say you? It's possible, but that's also ridiculous hitting 365. Right, while already hitting 500, and I think when you consider people hit 365, though that has been done, we've seen that. Right, but like they do that over the course of the season. Like there's going to be ebbs and flows here. There just are. And I'll say this about Blackman as to why, if someone had to make me bet on it right now, I'd lean towards no. Is the batting average in baseball all down? Right. So the idea that Blackman, (laughs) no, no, not his at all. But I'm just saying, like. I, this this can very easily just fall off. It takes, what, four four bad games where it's like, oh, no, he's two for 16. Now, again, Charlie Blackman's a professional hitter. He's, he's, he's a very, very good baseball player. Yeah. So I'm not telling you that that's necessarily going to happen. But also, he's hitting 500 over 17 games. Cody Bellinger's hit, right. hitting under 200. Yeah, and, but you know, remember, 
Yes, yes, you are right. But when the grand total is 60 games, or maybe for him 58, right? You know, all I'm saying, Kev, is that 17 games is not like after the first series of the season, okay? This is not three games. You're right. It's not 60. It's not even 45. I understand that as we welcome our radio audience back in across the country, giving you the edge here on SportsGrid. All I'm saying, though, and that's why it was the first question I asked you, right? Are we at the point of the season yet where you can at least start talking about it? 17 out of 60 is, you know, almost a third of the season here. I, I And it's not 400 he's at. It's not like he's hitting 397 and we're talking about 400, Kev. He's at 500 right now. He has a little cushion, Kev. I mean, he's got 34 hits in 68 at-bats. To your point, brother, he can go like six of his next, you know, gets a 40 hits, six of his next 32 at-bats, Kev. He can hit six of his next 32 at-bats, and that would get him to 40 out of 100 for 400. He can go six of his next 32, Kev, and still be at 400. We're getting to the phase where this is a legit conversation. You have the math there. What is hitting six out of your out of thirty-two? I mean, I'll have to break out the calculator over the I'll, break. I'll break it out the calculator two, now. It's under two hundred. It's under two hundred. Six times five is thirty. So six out of thirty would be hitting two hundred. He can go under two hundred. Six of his next thirty-two. He can hit one eighty something over his next thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Over his next, you know, nine games, and still be hitting four hundred. Kev, and at that point, we're talking about twenty some odd games in the season. Right, but like then he, I'm just, but then he has to go and then hit. 400 the rest of the way. Like, I'm just saying, it's not... He's building a little cushion, though, Kevin. He was staring at 462 yesterday. He's at 500 today. Absolutely. And he might go over for 4 his next at-bat. His next game. Like, I'm just saying, like, we've not, we've not... We're not even at the third mark yet. Like, we're at... Like, we're at 17. 17... What odds like, would you give me? What odds would you give me? If I said, would you... I if you gave you me no five odds. odds, you wouldn't give me odds. Oh, well, that says I'll something then. no odds. Right? I don't know how to make those odds. Because, first of all, I can't even remember what it was for the yes-no preseason. Right. But it has to be moving. Oh, absolutely. A guy's hitting 500. Of course, it's moving. Also, shout out Donovan wow. Solano and shout out DJ LeMayhew. DJ LeMayhew as well doing his thing. But, you know, listen, I'm hoping he does it. The Rockies are still moving along. They are in first place. They got a W. Yesterday, Blackman, another three hits to hit 500. We zone in on that division and the rest of the action in Major League Baseball. We come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, here on the early line, giving you the edge, Dave Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, Kev, you know, we started talking about Charlie Blackman, who's now at 500 on the season, a season which is 17 games in over past the quarter pole. I understand that 
maybe it's not, you know, like tempting just yet to talk about it because you're right. He can go over four. He can go one for four in his next two games, but he is building up a little bit of a cushion. So let me ask you this, Kev, at what point will you start to think about it? Like if he's at four, 27 over half the season like when we mentioned it over the break right like hey the major league record for a hitting streak is 56 games every now and then every season someone gets like a 23 game hitting streak a 27 game hitting streak and you're like okay that's cool but i ain't worried about it yet it sounds to me like kev with regards to charlie blackman you're like that's cool but i ain't worried about it yet uh when when is yet for you when is that time when you're like oh this 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 is real now yeah, I'll assess everything 30 games in. That It'll be okay. nice and easy mathematically for me to try and figure some things out. But until then, certainly not 17 games. I, again, I'm not saying it's insignificant. It's cool. He's hitting 500. That's awesome, right? Like, And Donovan Solano, like, all of it, great, okay? I'm not saying don't have fun. I personally, though, okay? Like, I wonder how many people have hit 500 over a 17-game streak or in the past 10 years. A lot. I'm sure a lot have, right? But none of them had the context of a streak where 17 games makes up 30% of the season. That's why it's I'm more sure. interesting, Kev. And that's yeah. why that's why we talked about it even before the season, because we knew it was more attainable, more within reach, the ratio stats. And now, at least, we've got a contender who's going to give it a run in Charlie Blackman. But the Colorado Rockies themselves are a contender after those same 17 games. They are seven games over 500 with a game and a half lead over anybody in the NL West. And they resume and, and you know, a divisional matchup today against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Sensatella on the hill for these Rockies. Weaver counters for the Diamondbacks. But the Rockies, you know, with their first place record with Charlie Blackman hitting 500, they are not favorites today. They are road dogs. Luke Weaver and the Diamondbacks minus 112. Sensatella and the Rockies only minus 102. Total is 12 in this game, though. In Colorado, Colorado with a red hot Charlie Blackman. You want to play the total or a side in this game? Yeah, this line makes no sense. I mean, this mm-hmm. this makes no sense. Sensatella's been good. Okay. And the total is 12. And they're dogs. Like these this stuff is. You know, because lines, of course, are correlated here. This this doesn't really match up for what we've seen from this season. Like, just for perspective, Sensatella's 3-0 with a 2.65 ERA. Luke Weaver's 0-3 with a 12.19 ERA. This line makes not a lick of sense. It depends what kind of better you are. Do you see stuff like this and say, okay, then I'll just blindly take Arizona? Or do you go and say, value here on the Rockies? You know, I, I I like a you know a first place team at home. You know, as a technical dog, I'll be on Colorado, and we will certainly have our eyes on Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman, have you ever seen that? Uh, there was like this kid, a uh, kid that's like a sick kid or whatever. Loved Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman went to visit him, kind of like you know make my make a wish kind of thing. The kid goes absolutely berserk. It went viral. But I digress. Let's talk about the other two teams in that division. They both 
Yes, stand at 11 and 7. I'm talking about the Padres and the Dodgers. The Padres got a big win yesterday. Manny Machado with a grand slam in a 6 2 victory. Mm-hmm. I look at these two teams. It's Urias on the hill one side, Zach Davies on the other side. I'm intrigued by an eight and a half total. Both of these teams have a lot to play for. Both of these teams, at least, you know, with you know 17 or 18 games being played so far, both of these teams look to be playoff bound. Dodgers and Padres renew their hostilities. How do you see this one shaking out? So I felt like last night's game stood out to me, and I want to bounce something off you here when it comes to this Dodgers. Manny Machado currently sits in third place, right? Currently yeah. sitting in third place in the NL West. So I don't know if, if you know people stayed up to watch the close of this game. But the Dodgers are able to get a man on, right? And with two outs, they've got runners on the corners. Barnes comes up, drives in Muncie, 6-2. We've still got runners on the corner. Mookie Betts is on deck. Bellinger waiting behind him. And up comes Beatty. And I just took a moment to pause, and I said, this is, they, they win this game almost every single time last year. Almost every single time they found themselves winning this game. I I cannot tell you how many times I watched an episode of Quick Pitch on MLB Network, and it was like, Dodgers, do it again. And Will Beattie sees one pitch and and a terrible pop-up. Pomeranz can't even believe how easy his outing was, and they lose the game 6-2. And one of the things that I know is very real, especially I know it's talked about in the National Football League, Regression in one-score games, regression right. in crunch time, luck, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the Dodgers are so talented that you don't want to chalk up their comebacks sure. to luck. It's Look, you got you got nine innings of work that you're going to have to make sure. this team uh, you know, beat you, if you will. But that was one that stood out to me a little bit here, Dane, where you know, I said it yesterday. I like the Dodgers because I don't know if they're going to lose two in a row. I think there might be something to the idea, though, that this team maybe is coming back to the middle a little bit, and this is not going to be an easy to run for them to get to the top of this West. Yeah. Now, now here's what I'll tell you, because I, 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 I put stock in what you're saying, right? But also the fact that they're immensely talented, right? So last year, Kev, the Dodgers went 106 and 56 in the regular season. Right. So in a normal six, uh, 162 game season, maybe this kind of like luck regression to the mean that you're talking about, maybe that, you know, instead of winning 106 games in a normal season, that means they would have won 100 or 101. Right. And all I'm saying is the Padres and the Rockies are, you know, taking maybe a little step forward and get are on pace to what would have been a 96 or 97 win season. Will the Dodgers still make the playoffs? Yes, but are they coming back to the pack? Maybe a little bit, and if you get a hot Padres team, or if you get Charlie Blackman hitting 437, right, maybe they are ripe for the picking. I mean, they also have, you know, you got to worry about the Cubs, for example, who won again yesterday over the Cleveland Indians. A good start out of John Lester, right? You have to start to think about some of these teams that if they do see, and there is regression, could be a little bit of an issue. I want to ask you real quick about the AL West. Now, Oakland now has lost two in a row. The Angels have won two in a row. They get another good start out of Dylan Bundy. Kev, Mm -hmm. are you ready to maybe say that just a clean slate and a new environment 
maybe all that Bundy needed. I mean, that does happen at times, especially sure. for guys who are prize prospects, right, coming in like Bundy was. Yet another good effort for these Angels yesterday, seven scoreless innings, 10 strikeouts as the Angels beat the A's for the second time in a row, 6 nothing. And here's the big thing for the Angels, okay? Five games back at the A's, who cares? They're one game back of the two spot in this division. Yeah, and that's right. maybe, you know, they had a couple of things that needed to get settled up here. We, You know, they knew Trout was leaving, but now he's back. Rendon, right. into Rendon is back. We know yeah, what role Otani is going to play. Yeah, like, no, but, but that's all very real. So now a team playing a little bit better baseball, two big wins against the A's. They're going to, you know, look to try and push that forward to three. They're favored to do so here. I think the Angels are a team to watch out for. I, I don't think that, especially, again, they're a game back of the two spot. They're a game back of the playoffs. So that's another thing about this playoff format. Everybody is still live, 17, 18, 20, whatever, however many games in that yeah. we are. And listen, everyone in the ALS is going to continue to be live because the Houston Astros lost again in 10 innings to the San Francisco Giants. This is wide open when you talk about second-place teams and third-place teams that are below 500 that could qualify, and Houston not taking care of business in that division. It could be wide open. When we come back, we turn our attention to golf. We'll talk Colin Marikawa, you know, his big win, the Wyndham Open, and what's happening in the NHL. We bring in our guy, the raging redhead, Cam Stewart joins us right here on the early line coming up after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. And thanks, of course, to our guy, Chris Welsh, giving us the update right there so that we are all caught up. And now, listen, on Wednesdays, we usually bring in our guy, the raging redhead. You can hear him on game time decisions. You can hear him on in-game live. Our guy, Cam Stewart, friend of the show, coming in now. How you doing, Cam? Hey, I'm awesome, Dane. Just uh, what a day yesterday. Uh you know, I, I, we always joke with uh, Mike Cardano. He's like, hey, you guys in hockey, uh, hockey. Right, that's right. That's why, <laughs> I, that's, that's why I, I tell him, I go, that, this is why we love hockey. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing Absolutely. better than hockey playoffs. Like, if you love sports oh, and, and just, hockey it, playoffs it's are the awesome. best. Yeah, they're hockey like, playoffs are absolutely awesome, especially Cam. If you get into overtime and the referees are swallowing the whistle, and boy, did we have that yesterday, Cam? I got to tell you a reason why I was on this series. I was looking at this series a lot, and I'm talking about Tampa Bay and Columbus. The reason, Cam, because I got burned by these Lightning last year after their historic season, them getting upset by the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round. So I had my eyes on this one, and then, oh my goodness, they go not one, not two, not three, not four, but five overtimes yesterday. I want to ask it to you this way, okay? Obviously, this is a huge win for the Lightning to go up one nothing in the series. But Cam, what is the lasting impact of this game? Okay, it went five overtimes. I know they're going to be tired, dead legs and all that stuff. But what about the mental psychological effect, right? You're out there in a slugfest hitting haymakers against each other. You got to know that if you're the team that loses this game, 
it's going to kind of hurt doubly hard. I mean, you played more than two games worth of minutes. Do you think this has more than just a one loss impact on the Blue Jackets? I got to tell you something, Dane. It's actually, that's kind of the narrative, but from somebody that follows hockey, you could shake it off. These guys are mentally okay. tough. I like, I like Tampa Bay before. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, that I've talked to ex NHLers that have lost double overtime games, triple overtime games, not a five overtime game. And they've come back and, and won series because you know what you do? You shake it off. You absolutely shake it off. Here's the thing though. Columbus played two overtime games against Toronto. That was a series that they were obviously tired in. And now you're playing two hockey games in game one of not a best of five, but a best of seven series. So I got to hand it to the Blue Jackets for even hanging around. Corpusello set the NHL record for saves in that game, too. He was absolutely on fire. Tampa Bay could have won that game seven or eight times. I still, this is advantage lightning, though. They already have a lot of factors, guys. Revenge from last year, the big right. win in game one. Columbus is like, they got to be a little bit tired because of all the hockey that they play. But I'll tell you, man, what a start to the playoffs. I can't believe that. Hmm. Game. That, was, that was so awesome. Like it, it, we started, I remember I was doing updates. That game started at three and I'm looking at the clock, like nine 45. Like, what the, what the heck's going on here? <laughs> it was the best. Well, let me ask you this though, Cam, because everybody except for the people of Boston, Carolina enjoyed that yeah. as they yes. saw their playoff uh, hockey start put on hold. What do you think the impact is there for those two teams now starting at 11 a.m. today? The Bruins minus 135 favorites in this spot. Yeah, great question, guys. Uh, I'll tell you, I think Carolina, I liked them last night, even if the game started at 1030. But they can't have these guys hanging <laughs> around with their equipment on and stuff like that. Remember, guys, we're in right. COVID-19. They got to disinfect the rooms. They got to do all that stuff. You can't have these guys in an Eastern Conference game suiting up at midnight. So here's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. I like Carolina to begin with last night. And now with the game at 11 o'clock, with all the veterans the Bruins have, how bad they played in the seeding round. Carolina is a resilient team. Also, very similar to Tampa Bay, who knocked these guys out of the playoffs last year. Oh, it was Boston, and they beat Carolina in all sorts of tight overtime games. Carolina didn't get any breaks in that series. I'm telling you, I love the Canes. Right now, James Reimer, former Leaf goaltender, is playing fantastic. Mrazek's fine, too. The Bruins, I think this is the time. You finally got the old beast. Boston is like that old tiger. He's used to being the bully, you know, in the zoo. But now Carolina's coming in here. They're that young – they got a lot of young bucks. They're angry. And I'll tell you something. This is the time to take advantage of the Boston Bruins. They played horribly in the seeding. You got to get them early. I love Carolina today. I, I bet them last night. That bet was voided. Let's come back to Carolina, 11 a.m., plus 115 on FanDuel. Yeah, I like that, Cam, and I want to ask you about that. Yes, Carolina is the dog, not only in the series, but in game one as well. The last time we talked to you, Cam, you we asked you about those teams that were one through four playing in those seeding games and kind yeah. of like the glorified scrimmages of it all. I know that three games happened already, right? Five series get started this week. Talk to me about those teams that were in the seeding rounds. And in essence, do you have confidence that they'll be able to flip the switch, for lack of a better term, right? If they were playing in these exhibition types, a lot of unders, now all of a sudden they're in a you know very important, obviously, game one of a series against a team that had to get through a real playoff series with that intensity, with that maybe, maybe they're hot right now, you know, that sort of thing. Um, do you believe? that some of these kind of big boys, whether it's Vegas, whether it's whoever, you know, can just flip the switch and be okay 
or do you like maybe a hot team, a hot goalie and plus money? Yeah, it's very tough. One team that I had no problems with it was Vegas last night. Have you watched Vegas? Yeah. Uh, and I know a lot of people just blindly bet the over in these games with Chicago, but Vegas, uh, they, they have Chicago's old goaltender, Robin Leonard. That tells you how special this is. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is a very good goaltender. He's behind Robin Leonard. Everything Vegas mm. has done, all the way they built their team, they turned, like, they, it's gold. It's absolutely fantastic. These guys, either them or Carolina, I think, is going to win the cup. Um, it's very, very, uh, sorry. Yeah, Carolina and Colorado. Those are teams that I like. But here's the thing, guys. Dallas was one of those teams. They came out slow against Calgary. Two to nothing. They were down. They tied it up. They lose the game. They also had to play their backup, Hudobin, uh, because Ben Bishop was a little bit hurt. They say he's okay, but uh, he would have started if he was 100%. And let's take a look at this. Uh, the other stuff, too. Tampa Bay in that game, right? Columbus came out flying, even though they played a lot of overtime games. So according to script, a lot of these teams in the playoff, in the seeding games, didn't look very good. They were flat early right. in these games, um, but Vegas isn't. That, that's the one thing. So be very, very careful today. I still still like the Flyers in the series over Montreal. I still like Colorado over Arizona, but uh, I, I'm going to be very, very uh, cautious the way I attack. And as I said, guys, I really like, I, I like Carolina over Boston to begin with. And with all these changing of time, the Bruins are more veteran team used to routine because they've been in the playoffs every year. I think it's an advantage to Carolina. And I think it sets up for the Islanders today too. That's the second game on the board. Mm. Washington didn't really look that great to me in the seating. Um, Barry Trotz, former Washington Capitals coach, knows the Caps inside out. I think the Islanders are sneaky. They don't really have stars on their team, but they're a team. They work together. They like each other. They play a system. Very dangerous. If, if, if the Islanders get a lead over Washington, that's bad news for the Capitals because the Islanders can lock it down. I like two dogs today. Carolina the most, and I'll take a shot with the Islanders at plus 115 as well. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Cam, about the Islanders' capitals and this yep. idea that Barry Trotz, uh, you know, now comes to them after bringing the Caps to a cup. Is that narrative or is that very real? Does he know this team better than maybe even the current Capitals head coach? And does that give this team a much bigger advantage than we could really even factor into these lines? I think it's a huge advantage. Barry Trotz is a good coach to begin with, and now you know Every player on Washington, he's going to know a way what to do against Alex Ovechkin. You can't really contain him all the time, but he'll have a system and a plan. That's the thing. The Islanders were the worst team defensively, okay? The worst team defensively in the NHL. Now they're one of the best, and they have the same players. That's Barry Trotz. I will say this. <laughs> coaching in hockey, a lot of the time it's like, you know, Dane, uh, Kev, me, you, and Marenzi drunk can coach some of these teams and do a good job. Sure. But Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz <laughs> is different. Like, he actually made the Islanders a better team. In my opinion, he's always coach of the year. He's he's taken these guys that, if you look at their roster, they'd be a borderline, like, borderline playoff team. But he gets the most out of everybody, and he knows Washington systems, and he knows who to take, uh, take out of a game. Tom Wilson's an X-factor in this series. For Washington, he's a goon, but he's a talented goon. He'll hit you. He'll do. He'll, he's dirty, but he's also a very good hockey player. And uh, if he gets going, that could be bad news for the Islanders. But the thing about the Islanders is now they have Pajot. They needed that extra scoring, and they paid a lot to get him uh, from the Ottawa Senators. But now this guy is fitting in perfectly. I'm telling you, the Ottawa, uh, the New York Islanders can beat the Capitals. And I think Barry Trotz, I give a huge coaching edge to the New York Islanders. That's real interesting, Cam. You know, we're going to have you here after the break as we turn our attention to golf. We only got about 
a minute or two left here before we do have to go to commercial. But I want to ask you, in today's slate, right, we've got five games, obviously, with the addition of Carolina and Boston because of the overtime action yesterday. Five and a half is the total for every game today, okay? Everything on the slate, five and a half is the total. Is there any game where you have a more strong lean on a total? Is there any one game who you think could definitely zoom over or any one game that you think will be real physical, more defensively, playing towards an under they're all at five and a half today yeah dane you know me like popeye's chicken i really like my sides i'm a big sides guy <laughs> right mashed potatoes but <laughs> oh, you know i i'm, I'm that guy, I, guy. But I will say this i will say this though early game at 11 o'clock with Carolina and Boston, think about all the weird things that have happened. When you get hockey right. guys out of their rhythm, these guys are preachers, yeah. uh, preachers of habit. If they have dinner at yeah. 4 o'clock, it's always. If they have sex with their wife at 617, <laughs> it's sex with their wife at 617. That's the way these guys roll. It's the what, are the what are they doing by 618? What are they doing by 618? That's a good question, Dane. Probably still <laughs> having fun because they have a lot of uh, fortitude and they're in good shape. They're probably sure. going all right. But I will say this. Five sure. and a half. Over, you don't want to bring guys out of the habit. When you do, mistakes happen. So I think uh, even though the goaltending is very good, I would take the over in the uh, Carolina-Boston That's interesting, Cam, because I was thinking about things like those 9 o'clock starts in MLS in that tournament. And there we saw Mm. very little offense in those games. But I like what you're saying here. Cam, stick with us right through the break. It'll be longer than, you know, 617 to 618. So hopefully we can continue to put the fun in functional sports content. Then we will transition a little bit over to golf, an amazing PGA championship. Majors on the horizon. We got to talk with them as well. We got a six pack we need to hear from our guy, Cam. We'll do all that and more when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. I got Kevin Walsh, and we are joined by Cam Stewart. And Kev, I know you had another question for Cam as it relates to hockey. Let's keep giving everybody the edge because there are five playoff hockey games today. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, we just started talking about these totals, and yesterday was a full underday. Weirdly enough, every single game featured five goals, Cam. And I'm just curious if, you know, you, you try not to get trapped with this stuff, Tuesday equals Wednesday and Wednesday equals Thursday, but the, the idea of being due, if every game is going to go under in game one, do we come back around now and think these games can get over? It's attractive to me because you know me, Cam. It's all plus money for these overs. Oh, it is. That, that's the thing. The hook is huge, right? Uh, the five to five and a half, it's absolutely massive. And you got to get the plus money because in the playoffs, they usually lock it down. Uh, it's tough, though. I'm not going to blindly bet, just bet this game, all the games to go over. But as I mentioned, Carolina, Boston, I think there's a lot of factors that can lead to an over in that game. I also think there's going to be a lot of penalties. 
power plays, all that type of thing. When teams know each other from playoffs past and hate each other, there's going to be a lot of chippiness in those games. Same with the Islanders and uh, the Islanders and Washington guys. These guys, Barry Trotz, his old team. There's a lot of storylines there too. These guys, uh, they've had some wars this year. They don't like each other. So power plays and five on threes, especially if the refs uh, don't put the whistle in the pocket like they did last night for the Tampa Bay game, we're going to have penalties all over the board. So I would actually look at the over of the Islanders Capitals game too. I know people think that one's probably going to be an under, but just just the, the styles. I think the Islanders they don't want to get in a track meet with these guys, but if the Islanders score first, I think there's a definite possibility that that game goes over. Um, I do like the Carolina over a lot. The other games are tough. Colorado Phoenix, I can I could see it, but Philadelphia Montreal, I don't know what to do with that game. The goaltending's so good. You got Carter Hart mm. and Carey Price. That one, I, I even if you know, I can't take an over in that game. I'm I'm probably just gonna uh, take uh, the Flyers in that game. It's actually low juice. Something in the lines telling me that, and we talked about it, guys, at the start. That's a seeding team. The Flyers were the team that cared about the seeding the most, other than Vegas, uh, when they were playing. But I'll tell you something, Montreal. Uh, they're not getting enough respect for what they did to Pittsburgh. They're like Carey Price. Yeah, well, you got Brendan Gallagher, Tatar. You got a million good players, and I'll tell you something, Shea Weber is playing like the old Shea Weber, one of the best defensemen in the league. He's motivated, and he's got those young guys under his wing saying, guys, this is a Stanley Cup playoffs here. We can do something special. We got a good goaltender. Let's just do our thing, play our system. And the Montreal Canadiens, they, they let's be honest, they were, very, they were better than Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, sure, they had some chances. Price was good, but on the whole, Montreal played a great series. And don't discount these guys. It's a great, we talked about this. It's a great matchup for both teams. Philadelphia probably wanted Montreal, and Montreal probably wanted Philly. You don't want to deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Islanders and stuff. This is a series that both teams want. We'll see how it plays out. Kev, tell your dad I still like the Flyers, but it's going to be closer <laughs> than people think. <laughs> well, as long as you still like him, he'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. We want Papa Walsh to be in good spirits. But let's turn our attention now to golf. Cam, yes. we usually have you in here on the early line on Wednesdays because we have golf tournaments on the horizon to get the six-pack. Before we get into the window, right, which yep. is this week's event, I want to talk a little bit about what we saw last week and a little bit about what's happening next Ooh. month, and that being a major, right? So first, as we look at last weekend, I don't know, man, Cam, but I was watching on Sunday. At one point, there were like seven dudes tied at like minus 10, right? And then Morikawa with his chipping from off the off the green, then obviously that ridiculous drive on the gettable par four on 16 is really what put him in the driver's seat. Guys like Paul Casey, guys like DJ, you know, couldn't get it done and close the gap there at the very end. I want to ask you about Morikawa, who now, you know, we talk about all these other young kids, right? The Bryson DeChambeau's, the John Roms yeah. of the world. Now, <laughs> Colin Morikawa now has more wins on tour than missed cuts, uh, the same amount of majors as missed cuts in his career. Yet, Cam, when I look at the U.S. Open, which is the next major to go off in the middle of September, right? I still see Brooks Kepka. I still see Rory McIlroy. I still see John Rahm. I still see Bryson. I got to scroll down to get to Colin Marikawa. Is this like a... Uh, lack of respect, not a belief that he can go on a run like Brooks Kepka did a couple of years ago. Talk to me about the ceiling for Colin Marikawa. 
First of all, guys, and you know I've been doing uh, the golf shows with you for a while. I think I had Morikawa in almost every six-pack since he's going. I'm the president of the Colin Morikawa <laughs> fan club. Like, seriously, I love this kid from Cal. I think he's amazing. I do think he's being disrespected by the media. Everyone in the golf world knows how good he is. But the thing is, he's really figured out his putter. He would have won more tournaments. He missed four-footers, five-footers. He had, like, kind of the mini yips going. And is that, that like tournament his was girlfriend absolutely- helped him out with? Like, his girlfriend gave yeah. him some tip on putting? What a girlfriend. Mine just eats my food. Sure. He's getting putting tips. What a what, That's amazing. I love this guy. No, I'm telling you, watch out for Morikawa. At the U.S. Open, though, Dane, I will say this. It's a little bit longer. I'm by, by no stretch is he short, but over mm. time, that's, that's kind of the difference yeah. at the U.S. Open compared to the PGA Championship. It was also a home game for him. He knew that course. He went to Cal Berkeley. Um, right. you know, Harding Park, San Francisco, this, that's, that's his, that's his wheelhouse. That's his area. He played college golf many times there, many rounds there. So that was an advantage. I'm not going to say he's not going to win the U S open. He just wouldn't be one of my top picks there. I think his game really, really sets up for the two majors. I would think would be the masters and the PGA championship. Um, but Morikawa is a special kid. Everyone talks about all these other guys. Get real. Look what you said it. Look what he's done. He almost beat Tiger Woods. Um, cut record. He's won a major already. Right. He outdueled Justin Thomas in a playoff to win, nailing a 20-footer and getting it done. The kid's got nerves of steel, and he's a likable guy. Smiles all the yeah. time. Cool. He does nothing. He's not a yapper. Like I'll tell you something, Brooks Kepka. I apologize. <laughs> I've had a lot of winners on this damn show, but that 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 guy's collapse on Sunday. What a turkey yeah. move! And the way he came out and called out other golfers. Hey, hey, DJ, you've only won one. Hey, Brooks. Yeah, this isn't wrestling. This isn't wrestling. It's golf. Shut the shut up and go out and play yeah. golf instead of like trying to be the bully out there. You know what? Karma bit him and it cost me a lot of money. Yeah, I know. Still well, let me let me ask you this though, because that's where I wanted to go. Golf drama. Since when? You've got my attention now. There's a lot of it, man. That. If you watch it, Kev, you'll see like DeChambeau, yeah. some guys on the tour think he's a turkey. They're like, hey, how's DeChambeau's science doing? Oh, hey, Bryson, have another uh, pack of bacon for breakfast, you dork. Like, that's what they're saying. How's your science? Like, I don't know what it is about these guys. There's like the get-along gang. That's like Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, buddy. they're buddies, right? They party with their wives. They go on yachts together. But since Brooks Kepka and DeChambeau have been around, there's a lot of yapping between guys, right? That's kind of why I like Morikawa. He just does his thing. He doesn't get involved in this stupid stuff. But no, Kev, I'm telling you, there's guys on tour. And the th- crazy thing is, Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson are friends. They work out together. I'm like, dude, what are you saying to me? What, I've only won one major? I'd actually meet him at the 19th hole after a cold one and then maybe just get, give him yeah. one right there. Like, are you kidding me? I can't believe Brooks Kepka's attitude. That was, that was pathetic. And on Sunday, yeah, was it karma? Did he run out of gas? Maybe a combination well, of both, but he killed my matchup bet. I'm sure he did, but let me ask you this with, with Kepka. He's still here at the Wyndham. I mean, I have been waiting for the week this guy takes off, and he just won't do it. Is he now out here saying, man, I embarrassed myself and I need to get back out there? What do you think about the fact that he's still playing in this? Well, Kev, the thing is, with the FedEx uh, Cup and the way the points are, he's on the outside looking in. Off the top of my head, I think he's 92nd right now. That's not good enough. To get into the Tour Championship, you need to be top 30. So Brooks Kepka needs to go to tournaments and make money and, and get his name up on the leaderboard. And he has to g- get into the top 30 if he wants to play with the best with a chance to win even more money. Here's the deal. He's 12 to 1 this week. Sorry, 
I can't I can't deal with that. He's been so inconsistent. I I wouldn't mm-hmm. take him. Can he can he win this tournament by six shots? Yes, he can. But I just I am not doing it. I don't care. Twelve to one is not enough for me. He's too inconsistent. I don't know what his problem is. Um, and he, and he likes majors more. I know he's trying to grind it out, but there's many, way better options on the board. If you're going to bet chalk, take Webb Simpson. It's his backyard. He's basically a top 10 lock here. He loves the Wyndham Championship. He's won it multiple times. But, guys, I'm digging a little bit deeper this week. I'm going to the deep end, put on the snorkel. Let's rock. My first pick <laughs> starts at 34 to 1, and then we go up from there. Thirty-four to one to start. All right, so that's what I <laughs> yeah. wanted to ask about, right? Because as we look at the Wyndham, right? You know, maybe some of these guys take it off with a major on the horizon. You mentioned it. Kevin said it. Brooks is there at twelve to one. Webb Simpson. Some other brand names, right? The Casey's, the Fleetwoods, Justin Rose, Sung J M. But not as many as the world class field of last week, obviously. So before you give me some of the picks in that six pack starting from 34 to one. So I can't wait to hear this. Give me a little thumbnail on the course also, though, Cam, right? Is this a bomber course? Is this a short course? The roughs? Is this, you know, is this fairways and greens in regulation? Or is this bang at 350 and figure it out afterwards? Well, guys, if uh, you like the NBA and hockey, uh, and you're not going to get too much golf drama this week. So if you want to do other things, Kev, your Lakers, Dane, you got a lot of things going on too. You know, with the lady, all sports, yeah, don't worry. It's not going to be crazy Bryson DeChambeau drives. He's not even in the tournament. This is fairways and greens. This is Sedgefield. Okay. It is a short track, just over 7,100 yards. It is a par 70. Also, seven par fours under 430 yards. Guys are going to be going hmm. in with 60-degree wedges. So what do you need? Strokes gained approach. Fairways hit. These are the type of guys we're looking for. Boring plotters that just go about their business and do everything, just knock it down the center, put it there, and hit a damn putt. The greens are small, but if you look at guys like Webb Simpson, that's the type of game that you need. Just put it in play. You don't have to hit it 300 yards off the tee plus. You just do your thing. A lot of small ball hitters got a chance today, and I'll tell you, man, this tournament, I would not be shocked if like a 100-to-1 guy won. This is, this is where it could happen. A lot of these other guys... You don't hear about them because they're just kind of guys who plot around and do their business. This is an interesting week, guys. I'm telling you, it's a dog could come in. That's why I'm starting my uh, six-pack real deep. Uh, I love it. Cam, we've only got about a minute or so left here. Let's crack into the six-pack. Let's do it, fellas. We're going to start with Sunjay M. Uh, not the best form right now, but the perfect horse for the course, 34 to 1. Brendan Todd, watch out for him. Perfect game for this course, 40 to 1. Shez Reevy, you might not like his hat, but I'll tell you something. His golf game, he's consistent, 50 to 1. And then we are going bomb hunting. Hello, Henrik Norlander. Not Henrik Stenson, <laughs> Henrik Norlander at 70 to 1. And guys, who was the bully on different strokes? What you talking about, Willis? The Gooch. The Gooch beat me up again, Mr. D. I'll tell you something. Taylor Gooch at 151 is going to blow it up. Watch out. We got bombs at the window. I love it. Cam, you can't be talking about 70s and 80s sitcom with a millennial like Kevin Walsh here with me. I know what you're talking about. You know different strokes than Gary Coleman? Do you know different strokes? Do you? Yes, I do. You know about Mr. Drummond? Yeah, really? Okay. Yes. We got to go. What we got to go through the entire lineup. Yeah, anyway, the Gooch is the bully on different strokes, if people remember. Taylor Gooch, he's my guy. Absolutely. I apologize to Kevin. But as always, Cam, thanks for spending a couple of segments, a couple of minutes with us. We'll have you back in next week to talk more winners, all right?
You got it. Go Hurricanes. Let's get this done, fellas. Talk to you next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Sounds good. So, Kevin, I apologize, my friend. You have far more. This is like, you know what? Remember Mike Blewett uh, came in and filled in for me once. At one point, you're going to love this as we go out to commercial. Kev, at one point, he was challenged by me. I don't know however it came up to name all the members of the Wu-Tang Clan. And he was oh, able to do so. And he was able to do so. So I was very intrigued by that. When we come back, we find out what's going on in the morning after. We make some picks. And we keep the fun and functional sports content going right here on SportsGrid. The Edge, the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge right here on SportsGrid. Make sure to keep it locked all day long as we continue to give you all the info, all the insights, all the links and picks that you need to make it a profitable day. Up right after us is the morning after, and so we are joined by our homegirl, Ariel Epstein. And Ariel, I got to ask you something. You know, we have, you and I before, we have done marathon stretches, right? We have done five hours on air together in a row six hours on air together in a row. We used to do shows for three hours together. No problem. What if at the end of that, you know, the powers that be were like, you know what? You got to do another full, you know, four hours and another overtime after that. How would you feel after enduring what you thought was normal, like two and a half times that? That's what the Lightning and the Blue Jackets had to do with their five overtime game yesterday. We were talking about potentially tired legs and stuff. Ariel, would you like me have a tired voice having to do five overtimes? Absolutely insane, Dane. And I know Kevin got a front row view to me watching the final minutes of that because I was all over it. Carver High, I have to give him some credit because he told me he loved this Tampa Bay Lightning, Vegas Golden Knights two-team parlay. I did it last night. It was the most frustrating, longest first leg of a parlay I've ever waited for. Dan, I have to tell you, though, with all this college football stuff going on, the NFL might take over Saturdays. You might have to talk seven straight days a week. Okay, I'm sure we will figure out a way to fill the content. What you guys got going up on uh, TMA today? A lot of college football talk today. We're going to bring Joe Lisi, our college football analyst, back on air to talk about it. Also, it's Walsh Wednesday. I get another few hours with Kevin Walsh later today. And we're going to bring on Diane Knox. She's going to talk about the Wyndham Championship for golf as well. Absolutely. All that sounds good. But most notably, the fact that it is Walsh Wednesdays on the morning after. We're done with the early line. The morning after is next as we continue to get the edge right here on Sports Grid. Have a great day, everybody. (laughs) 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.